It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian, and we're broadcasting from the Morton studio. And on Farmer Fridays, we take your calls and questions all throughout the show. It's 844-44-AG-PHD if you have a question, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. As we get started here today, I just want to say it's a little different winter, or actually a lot different winter, than last year. On our farm, no snow left. We could actually drive out in any field we wanted to today, if we wanted to. And I guess the reason why I bring this up is we only have three weeks to go until March. So I get that, hey, it's the middle of the winter, it's February and everything else. But spring, in my book, starts March 1. I know it technically it doesn't start March 1, but in my book, spring always starts March 1. It's three weeks from now. So I just really encourage you to take a look at what can you do to get ready to go in March. We spray a lot of times in March. Sometimes we're able to do some tillage. Sometimes we're able to put some small grains in. So we could be going here and not all that long. And depending on where you're at, you might be in the same boat as us. So I just encourage you to think about that, number one. Number two, with the dicamba ruling that came out about three days ago, it's very possible that you will not be able to spray dicamba post-emerge in dicamba-tolerant soybeans or dicamba-tolerant cotton. That could mean a shift in herbicides. So just think about it logically for just a second. Let's say it's Extend Flex in soybeans. Okay, well, if you can't spray dicamba, what are you going to spray? Liberty. So if 30 million acres of soybeans switch from dicamba to Liberty, what possibly could happen to supply and price? So we've had a lot of farmers we've been talking to the last few days that have been buying Liberty and buying a number of different things because of this potential change. So it's easy to cancel stuff out later, but I'm just saying if the price goes up or the supply sells out or whatever, then you might be in a little bit of trouble. So just something for you to be thinking about there because of that whole dicamba ruling. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, uh, and a number of questions uh, from our soybean workshop that we hadn't gotten to. This one comes from there. Brian asks, uh, copper levels. You talked about copper levels, five parts per million or more, something Neil Kinsey had said about not seeing SDS in those areas of fields. Have you noticed anything different with brown stem rot with any certain nutrient, uh, or, or what are your feelings on that? Haven't noticed any specific nutrient but I would just say this. Copper is kind of considered the disease nutrient. So if you are short on copper, you're just flat out more likely to have disease issues. But I could make that case for almost any nutrient that there is. So I hate to say it, but you really want to look at all your major, secondary, and micronutrients and just make sure you have fairly good levels so then you have less likelihood to get any disease. Now with brown stem rot, there are some varieties that are brown stem rot resistant, brown stem rot tolerant, so you could look at that. The other thing is we see more brown stem rot typically when we have beans on beans. So if you're in a rotation, you're less likely to see it. Still could happen, but you're less likely. So those are kind of the things I would look at. Okay, thanks for the question. This one comes from Thomas. He said, will broadcasting P and K in no-till eventually work itself into the profile? Sure. 
Uh, might take a few decades, but uh, it'll get there. So with phosphorus, barely moves in soil. Uh, I, I, it, it just it barely moves in soil. So I don't love it if we're going to just lay it on the soil surface for no-till. It is going to sit there for a really, really, really long time. So our advice in no-till is not to broadcast. If you want to broadcast certain things that can move down in the soil, like nitrogen, uh, sulfur, boron, heck, even lime eventually will work its way down. So no problem. But when we start talking about phosphorus especially, that is concerning. So if it was me, I would inject my phosphorus. Otherwise, I would look at how about if I broadcast for the next whatever, let's call it four years. And every, and once every fourth year, I just till everything in. Or I do it just like I'm doing on alfalfa where we put enough P and K out for three or four years. We then till it all down in the ground, and then we aren't doing any tillage out in that field for the life of the alfalfa stand. So, yeah, without tillage, it's a challenge with, with phosphorus, potassium, zinc, copper, some of these nutrients that just don't move. So potassium, if you had light soil and lots of rain, that can move down. Uh, that I'm not super worried about. But if you have, like we do, heavy soil and not much rain, even potassium, boy, that just it doesn't move down very well. Can I throw out an opportunity here, Brian, that might be a little bit political? There may be a little uh, bitterness in this one, but uh, I've heard some no-till guys that have been getting rejected on getting into these carbon credit programs because, well, you're already doing the practice. You're not improving anything. And they say, well, what if I went and tilled everything up? And they say, well, then you could get into the program if you changed back to no-till. So well, maybe this is your one opportunity to do it. Get those nutrients down deep with that one time you till. All right. Sorry for anybody that I offended by that comment, but, but no, I, with, those programs are goofy. Yeah, with, with phosphorus, though, if you can in, in, inject it down in the ground somehow, some way, you're going to be better off and get way better and faster uptake. All right, this one comes from D. He said he talked about soybean planting and changing the population in low-yielding areas versus yes. high-yielding areas yes. and so forth. What are your thoughts about building my soybean planting RX based on soil types? Yeah, um, that can certainly be done. So I, I I hesitate to say I always want to do it based on soil types, though, because, yeah, it's one thing if I've got a really sandy area and then I've got some peat or muck soil somewhere else. Okay, two totally different things. I get that. But for a lot of people, they just say, well, it's this type of loam and that type of loam and everything. I'm like, oh, come on. We, there isn't that much difference between those things. So I'd rather look at where I have great fertility or super high yields or something like that, where the beans have been getting shoulder high, okay, I want to cut back there. If the beans have been knee high, um, I want to bump that population. If I've got light soil, if I've got low fertility, I got problems, I got a weedy area in the field, I want to bump my, my planting population and make the plants taller, get better crop canopy. Stay tuned, be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case ice tractor and it can do it all. 
They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Your farm's greatest challenge is making sure your crop has enough fertility to reach its yield goals. But how do you know if you're applying too much of any one nutrient? Fine-tune your fertility plan with Verify. Your combine collects hundreds of yield data points per acre. Verify takes that data and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal. So you can be confident you're not over-applying. Get started today at Verify.com. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us. Take it from agronomy manager, Nate Honeck. We've seen tremendous weed control that was sprayed in dry, hot conditions with uh, very little rain within two weeks after application. Very easy application. Definitely tank mixed well with the various products we used. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, let's jump back to the Ag PhD mailbag. Darren, what's next? All right, uh, get one on soybean gall midge. This comes from BC who said, is there a certain GDU time frame that gall midge flies will show up uh, that we should be treating field borders with insecticide? Hey, you know what? That is a great question. And University of Nebraska has a website, soybeangallmidge.org, and you can sign up there and get alerts, and they're tracking flights of the flies. Normally, it's the last part of May, first part of June when they really get going. Uh, so you think about soybeans, let's just say you planted soybeans the first of May, for example. Uh, you've got pretty small beans out there yet uh, on the first of June, and that's about the timing that you're trying to get it. So I would recommend signing up for those um, alerts that come from their website. Uh, that would be the best bet. I don't, I'm sure that you could probably track that to how many GDUs there have been. In fact, I think last year, the flights were a little earlier because we had some heat earlier in the season, um, but but that would be the best guide I'd have. Yeah, and what they say is it's usually V2, V3, somewhere in soybeans. That's the earliest that the gall midge will lay any, any eggs into your stem. They want the stem to be growing just a little bit more. It starts to crack, starts to open up a little bit as, you, as that plant grows. So there's more likelihood after v2 and v3 the other concern we have for you if you're going to be trying this is there aren't really any great rescue options at this point it'd be one thing if it's like soybean aphids oh okay we'll just go spray when we see enough bugs no big deal they don't leave the field in this case it's a fly comes in that comes in lays eggs and leaves the field (laughs) so uh, that's a real, real challenge. You can, however, put thymet on at planting time. You can 
go out and hill your soybeans. So in other words, you cultivate and put dirt up on the soybeans. So those are methods that have been working to some degree. So I I would encourage you at least take a look at that on some of your acres. The other thing is it's typically just the end rows in fields, usually where it borders a soybean field from last year. So if you had soybeans last year and you're going to rotate to a soybean field right across the fence this year, that's where you're most likely to see that gall midge. So that's where you would want to be scouting. But again, even if you scout and you see, oh, hey, I've I got these flies coming in or something, um, you'd have to move quick. And even then, I don't know that you're going to have great success. So some people have claimed that they've sprayed bifenthrin a couple of times. It's worked okay, but it's pretty hit and miss. All right. Phil asks, do you guys know if the contans biological fungus will also feed on the sclerotia that we get in canola? And, you know, that's an interesting question, Phil, because it's not just labeled for soybeans. Uh, Contans is OMRI listed, and it's labeled for a wide host of crops. And it's labeled for sclerotinia sclerotium, which I believe is what you've got in canola, uh, but you can double check that. And it's also labeled for sclerotinia minor. So they're, they're just a variety of species. It's going to go after that sclerotia family and it's going to work in a bunch of different crops. So yeah, you can check the label out. Uh, just search for contans WD, WG label and you'll find that online. And uh, yeah, like I say, there's, there's just a it does more than just soybean white mold, uh, and I believe that would help you uh, for your crop as well. All right, speaking of white mold, I had a few questions here. Gordon asks, what are your thoughts on the fungicide ProPulse for control of white mold? We've personally never used it, but the company that's taking our dry beans speaks relatively highly of it for white mold control. They've actually seen improved yields with this fungicide even when they didn't have white mold and other diseases. So what do you guys think and what's your experience with ProPulse? Okay, so what ProPulse is, is it's ProLine and Luna Privilege. So it's an SDHI together with the Triazole ProLine. Is it phenomenal on white mold? No. Is it good? Yes. Is it good on a lot of diseases? Absolutely it is. We love ProLine. It's one of the best Triazoles ever invented. And Luna, pretty good in terms of an SDHI as well. So, yep. You could certainly run with something like that. I would just say there are a lot of these combinations now where there's a triazole together with an SDHI. We like them. It, it works out very well just because you're after so many different diseases. You want different modes of action, so you have multiple effective modes of action. And so, yeah, I, I'm all for trying that if you want to go that direction. All right, Brad had a similar question. Uh, Brad's from Iowa. He said, what are your thoughts and experience with products like Preaxor and ProLine applied in furrow? Would either of those help me at all with white mold later in the season? Doubtful. No, I, 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 I mean, it, it's possible that it could help, but I'm not really counting on that. And the reason why is because when you talk Preaxor and ProLine, well, they are really good products. They're not going to last in the plant forever. And you think about when, like for, on our farm, for example, we're, we're planting our soybeans the last week of April. Then we're spraying at R1, which is around, let's call it uh, late June, something like that. So we're two months later. 
two months and when these products aren't very systemic to begin with and then you figure oh it's going to be two months from now yeah that's it's just i i'm i'm not going to spend my money that way plus you'd have a lot of dollars invested there so take those same dollars and spray at r1 and you're going to be a lot happier all right, uh, Corey wants to talk white mold also, uh, but but other diseases too. This is the most popular topic. Okay, well, so go ahead. It's it's honestly it's one of the toughest diseases that we fight in any of the crops. Uh, yeah, so and Corey, by the way, we we got all we've gotten all kinds of questions here over the last few days, and so Darren's combined all of certain topics together. So that's why we're getting so many white mold right off the bat. But go ahead. Okay, so Corey said, uh, can cover crops. And rotation away from soybeans help reduce white mold, brown stem rot, and SDS? Well, the obvious answer to that is yes, both can. Cover crops can. Uh, there are certain cover crops that have been shown to help with that uh, for various reasons. And also rotating away from soybeans, yes, sclerotia from white mold, um, residue from brown stem rot or SDS, they're, they're going to stay in the soil for a while. There's no doubt about that, but it will decrease over time just not as quickly as you would like because it's not, oh, I rotated away one year and I don't have a problem. No, it doesn't work like that. But his other question was, and does the white mold, brown stem rot and SDS, uh, is that a problem in light sandy soil CEC of only five? You know, white mold is, it starts out as, as a mushroom and for that mushroom to grow, it's going to need a little shade and it's going to need plentiful moisture. If you said a CEC of five and I'm irrigating every week, yeah, you could probably still have white mold there. If you said, no, I'm dry It's still land, less likely. Yeah, it's it's much less likely if you're dry. Um, you know, with sudden death syndrome, that likes a lot of times heavy, compacted, yep. wet soils, so less likely in that light soil. Yep. And then brown stem rot. Uh, you could still have some brown stem rot out there, I would think. Yes. But, um, yep. Oh, and by the way, let's go back to Darren mentioned cover crops. Rye, oats, and brassica have been shown to reduce SDS. I haven't seen that any of these cover crops can help reduce sclerotinia white mold or brown stem rot. But to reduce SDS, yes, rye, oat, and brassica cover crops well, some will of things, reduce it. Some of the interesting things, though, with brassicas, and, and I guess we... We have a number of cover crop experts throughout the years that are, or throughout the year that are on the show. They'll talk about how the brassicas actually help with residue breakdown, and speeding up residue breakdown is good because a lot of these diseases hang out in the residue. Yes, and if you can break that residue down quicker, that could potentially be a help. Yep, but yeah, rotation, that's a key, especially like with sclerotinia white mold. And even if you go, let's say, two years corn and you go back to soybeans or any crop susceptible to white mold, uh, you might still have a problem. But I'll tell you what, we've done it where we've gone three, five, seven years away from soybeans, and that pretty much eliminates most of our white mold worries. We're going to get back to more of your questions right after this. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. Find an agroliquid dealer at agroliquid.com. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Every season, you're collecting yield data on virtually every acre of your farm. But what good is your data if you never use it? Put it to work with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal, ensuring your crops get what they need right where they need it, no matter what equipment you run. Go to Verify.com to find an expert to help you get started. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio. Today, it's Farmer Friday. Our whole show is designed around you. If you'd like to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We've been answering your questions all show in the Ag PhD mailbag. But right now, we're going to jump to the phone lines. Got Bob calling in from North Dakota. Hey, Bob, how are you today? Pretty good, and yourself? Doing great. I hear you got a question about micronutrients. Yes, I was wondering about crop safety. Sure. Mixing it with your herbicide for in-crop spraying. Which micronutrients are we talking about? Well, it's called Task Force. It's made by Loveland. Okay. Um, Darren, one, can, do you have time to look? I'll, I'll have Darren look that up quick. We'll see which micronutrients are in there. What kind of rate would you use? A quart? A gallon? Quart, yes. Okay. One quart. quart and putting that with almost any herbicide off the top of my head, is I'm going to say is it's it probably Is it Task fun. Force 3D or ta- Task Force 2? Yeah, I'm not sure of which just one look, it would look, be. look them both up. Just tell me what's in there for nutrients. Uh, okay, so what herbicide could you potentially mix this with? 
Well, it would probably be Husky Complete. Okay. So, um, ta- so Task Force 2 has an 1185 that also has boron, cobalt, copper, iron, manganese, molly, and zinc. Okay, so you got okay, a lot of stuff Okay, let's go with there. that one. Okay. All right. So Husky <laughs> Complete, what else would be a possibility? Oh, oh, we use what they call double check. It's a, I believe that's a grass herbicide. That's also made by Loveland. Okay. All right, so uh, so you're looking at this in your wheat and any other crops that you're talking? Uh, maybe lentils and canola. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not real concerned when we have such a low rate because, like Darren said, all right, it's an 11.85, and then it's got just tiny little bits of things like boron, cobalt, copper, molybdenum, zinc. If let's say we were going with a high dose of something, then absolutely I'm concerned. And Husky Complete already, just Husky in general, it can give you a fair amount of leaf burn. And here's when it's most likely to happen. It's fairly early in the spring when you're spraying. And if it's been cool and damp, then a lot of times the leaf cuticles are still fairly thin. Husky has some oils in it that will give you some extra leaf burn in those kind of situations. Now, if it's been hot and dry, the leaf cuticle will usually be a little thicker. You'll see a little less leaf burn. And then it's not as big a deal when you throw a fertilizer in or a fungicide or something like that. So would I be willing to try this on my ground? Sure, I would. Would I be very worried about um, any issues? No, I wouldn't. But odds are you're going to see just a little more speckling on the leaves usually nothing to get real concerned about but when we are talking about something anything that contains husky i am i'm gonna i'm gonna be a little bit cautious so i would probably tell you hey let's not do the whole farm in year one let's try some and let's just see how it goes i think you'll be okay and and by the way when i say husky it's mainly the buckthorn specifically that's in there for the herbicide that's the one that's got the oils that's the burner So a lot of the things you're going to end up using on lentils and canola, not going to give you that kind of leaf burn. So I'm less likely, or I'm less worried, I should say, about throwing any kind of fertilizer in. But yeah, buckthorn is always, it's always for decades now been one of our watchouts where if you add anything to it in the wrong situation, you're going to see more leaf burn. I I mean, I've never seen it hurt yield, but I'm just saying, (laughs) I don't want you to have a heart attack when you, you go out there the next day and you go, whoa, what did I do to my crop? Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you're saying high rates, what what are you talking then? What kind of rate? Well, let's say a gallon? Yep. Yeah. So here here's an example. So we doing plots, um, research plots. We had a really high yield farmer we were working with, and he said, Oh, you got to put a boron, a gallon of boron on my plot that I want to have out there. So we put a gallon of boron with some herbicide, and oh my gosh, it lit it up. I mean, granted, it turned out fine. The yield was fine, but if you looked at it, you would have thought you half killed the crop. Okay. At a gallon rate. Yep. Now, but this mix is not going to be quite as potent as one gallon of boron just because you get a number of different things in there. Right, right. That was straight boron. Yep, that was straight boron. Okay, okay. 
So yeah, I mean, anytime we're foliar, we just want to be careful. And the other thing is the more water you have, the, the less leaf burn you're typically going to have as well. The more you kind of safened it. Okay. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the call. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Goodbye. All right. Sit down to Missouri. Get Tony on with us right now. Let's talk a little pasture. How you doing, Tony? Doing well. 70 degrees today. Yeah, just rub it in. Just rub it in. We're in the 30s. <laughs> it's supposed to be 50 tomorrow. So, so what can Not we help bad, you with? Uh, I want to uh, kind of upgrade some of my pastures. They've been hit pretty hard the last few years. With the weather we've had, droughts, they're getting pretty thin. Um, one to no-till, some wheat, some rye, uh, some grass, some legumes. And fertilize them pretty heavy with some dap and potash, some buildup. Wanted to know, would it be better to fertilize and then no-till the seed to work the fertilizer in a little bit? You answered my question a little bit a while ago, you know, that the potash and... uh, Phosphorus especially. Phosphate, it won't move. Right, yep. Yep, that's right. So it's a, it's a shame they don't make a soil warrior for pasture. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's a real challenge when you have low fertility out there. What are you going to do if you want to no-till? So if I was going to do it, and I said, "Hey, there's just no other way I can do this. I can't inject it. Nothing." Yeah, I'd at least put it out there first, and then I would go seed it. So that's what I would do. Okay. I I got a lot of manure to spread to. Um, Can that hurt the seeding? I mean, um, when when should that be done? Okay. How much manure are you thinking about putting on? Uh, Probably not like used do, but maybe 10 (laughs) ton to the acre. Okay. So still quite a bit. Um, the, the big concern we always have with manure is the salt content and salt can be really hard on seed and getting almost any crop established. So if I was going to put on, and I don't know what your nutrient content is in that manure or your salt content. So I am just going to ballpark this, but if I, just as a general statement, if I was putting on two or three tons, I think I'd feel pretty comfortable doing that in advance. If we start talking 10 tons, then I'm, I'm going, um, I might want to test that before I'm doing that in advance. Otherwise I might end up just doing that later. So here, here's the other thing with phosphorus movement that we didn't talk about yet. If you get really high levels of phosphorus, then it can, to some degree, become water-soluble. So, and this came up about a month ago on our show here. We were talking to a tree expert out in California, and I just asked him, hey, you're putting a bunch of phosphorus on. What do you do? Because obviously that's no-till. And he goes, oh, we get our concentration up above 250 parts per million, and then we find it starts to be a little bit leachable. (laughs) Well, 250 parts per million is a very high level for most of us. But, I mean, that that is one way around it if you ever said, in any situation, I'm not talking about necessarily your pasture here, but in any situation, if you ever said, I've got to find a way to get this phosphorus in the ground, you just load it up and it'll start moving. Is, I mean, that's everybody's option here in Missouri to fertilize their pasture is just top dress it every year. Yes, correct. So, I mean, the roots aren't as deep as the corn, I'm sure. 
but it would it seemed like where I see people if you disturb that pasture a little bit it just brings it to life yeah it's the same as someone moldboard plowing one time and then planting a crop it just brings that earth to life or people aerating their lawn so no i'm with you yes a little bit of that sometimes can be helpful and that's also where we want to pay attention to things like drainage and having good calcium levels so we have a little bit more porous soil and we can get some air down in there as well hey tony thanks for the questions if you got any more you can stick around otherwise great talking to you hope to talk to you again soon Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash base. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of grower success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us, take it from farmer Rob Schaefer. Residuals have become a big part of our chemical programs with trying to battle water hemp and also mare's tail is our big one. It's done a real good job of controlling those. You don't have to you know, put a bunch of gallons in your sprayer, cover a lot of acres that way. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One Herbicide, an Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next-Gen and used True Choice? Only about $5,000 extra in Tom's pocket. Choose True Choice and get up to 10% back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com slash save more. On your farm, you spend thousands on fertilizer every season. But how do you know if any nutrient you apply is paying for itself? Build a fertility plan like never before with Verify. With Verify's soil point to yield analysis, you can automatically see the connection between your soil test and yield data to see which fertilizer dollars will make you money and which won't. Go to Verify.com to get started today. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, joined by my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today. 
It's a Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD or email us radio at agphd.com. Darren, let's get back to the questions we've been getting in. What's next? All right, uh, math question here, and this is on fertilizer. So right. I do, I do think this one's useful for everybody. So if you're listening, get well, your, math is always useful. Get for your pencil here, out and a piece of paper. I'll give you just a second to do that, and also uh, you can utilize your phone for a calculator if you get a smartphone or grab unless a, you're driving down the road, then please don't do that. Yeah. Well, go ahead. All right. Uh, so this one comes from Murray, and he's in South Central Iowa. He said, all right, I'm going to throw you some numbers here first for my soil test. I have phosphorus at 46.8. My pH is 6.2. And I've got three micronutrients that I want to build up. Uh, So I've got boron, which is at 0.4 parts per million. Copper at 1.1 parts per million. And manganese at 8.3 parts per million. What are you expecting the per acre cost to fix those three levels. Now, a couple things here. First of all, Murray, at a 6.2 pH, uh, it's a little on the low side, which is great. It's exactly where I'd want it. If I could have everything at a 6.2, I'd, I'd take that other than my alfalfa ground. Uh, and manganese at 8.3, I'm curious what kind of test. And you don't mention, is it a Malik test? Is it a DTPA extraction method? I'm guessing it's a DTPA. And the, the reason I ask that for everybody who doesn't talk soil tests every day like Brian and I do, uh, it makes a difference the kind of acid they're using to extract the micronutrients. Some soak longer, and so they have higher numbers that they have. Some soak for a shorter period of time, so their numbers are lower, those kinds of things. Some are stronger, acids weaker, whatever. So in other words, it depends on the lab and who's pulling the test and the extraction method. But so, we have big reservations on whether your 8.3 manganese is real. Yeah. So I, I'll say this on the manganese. We'll, we'll talk about it like it is real, but we'll also <laughs> suggest that you run a Malik 3 <laughs> test if you haven't already. But let's talk about that boron. So at 0.4 parts per million, Brian, I would say out of all the samples we get, he doesn't have the CEC either. Or calcium level. Right, okay. right. There's more that we'd like to see, Murray. We'd like to see a complete analysis Did he here. say what he wanted to build to? Uh, no, but <laughs> okay. but just for an example right. here, with a phosphorus at 46.8, let's just call it 45 for easy rounding here. Okay. Uh, so phosphorus at 45. So my boron at 0.4, I'd like to get it just up to one part per million, for well, wait, example. Wait, what does the phosphorus have to do with the boron? Just a sec. You're going to see in a second. And then the <laughs> copper at 1.1, we like that 30 to 1 ratio on the cop- phosphorus to copper. Yeah. So we want about one and a half parts per million. So we don't have to grow the copper too much. With the boron at 0.4 parts per million, you just multiply that times two. You've got roughly eight-tenths of a pound out there per acre. Well, we'd like to get to one part per million. That would be two pounds. So you need another 1.2 pounds per acre. So 1.2 pounds, if you buy dry granule boron, that's uh, 15%. It's roughly 83 cents a pound. Uh, so multiply 1.2 times 83 cents and divide by 0.15 since it's 15% actual boron in the, the granules. That's $6.64 an acre. Not bad to get up to one part per million. Yeah. But But we don't know what your calcium is. Right. So if your calcium was 2,000 and you say, hey, I've got heavy soil, I can hold the boron, we'd say you probably want to build up to two parts per million over time. That's why we can't fully answer that. But I'm just going to say if you're going for one part per million, it's about seven bucks. Okay. Then on the copper... To go from 1.1 parts per million up to 1.5. 1.5 is really low, but go ahead. Well, it's 30 to 1 on the phosphorus. 
Yeah, ballpark of 31 is what we tell guys, but 1.5 is really low. And are we going to stay at 45? What what figure are we using here? When we're talking 30 to 1, that's Malik tests. So that's a P2 test. So is this a P1? That's my guess. I'm guessing he's got a P1 test there, and his P2 is probably 100. Okay. So I'm going to guess. Let's say we want to build the three then. Yes, Let's say we want to that's build my three. guess. But I, again, we're just guessing because we don't have the actual data. But I, even so, 1.5 parts per million of copper yeah, is really low okay. on anybody's Okay, test. well, that's fine. Let's just say that we're going to build the copper up to three parts per million. So how okay. do you do that from 1.1? Yep. Well, you want to build 1.9 additional parts per million. Right. So you multiply parts per million times two because a soil test for six inches represents roughly two million pounds of soil. So that's 3.8 pounds of copper. And copper sulfate is... 25.2% copper. So just multiply that times 0.252 and then divide by and then you've got divide by 0.252. Oh, sorry. Uh 3 3.8 <laughs> divided by 0.252. As you can tell, Darren was a math major in college. And multiply so. it times $2.20 a pound for copper sulfate is roughly what you need. Okay, so let's, let's, do, this again. let's million, do this again. So very simply, you're, you want to get to, if you want to get to three, you started at 1.1. You need 1.9 more parts per million. Multiply times two, that's 3.8 pounds. Okay, so we need 3.8 pounds. And with copper sulfate's roughly... 25.2. So 3.8 divided by 0.252 is what? Darren? Oh, oh, you're wanting me to do it. Okay. It's well, I 15, thought you did it already. 15.08. 15, 15. Okay. So 15.1 pounds of copper sulfate and copper sulfate costs how much? $2.20. Okay. So grand total, what'd you spend? $33.17 an acre if you go all the way up to three, three parts per million, or if you're just yep. going up to 1.5 parts per million, it's seven bucks. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, you're removing roughly one-tenth of a pound of copper. So by putting Free. out... Uh, yeah, by by putting out 3.8 pounds, well, that's a lot of years of removal. So when's yep. the last time somebody built copper up? Never on your farm. How long has it been farmed? A hundred years. Okay. Well, you've removed <laughs> right. ten pounds out, <laughs> and now we're saying you should put three point eight pounds back in to to build stuff up. So you see where we're going from here. And then You're not from there, have to do that very often, right? But then from there, you can just put on a a maintenance dose. And let's say let's just say you did want to do that maintenance dose, Darren. And it is point one pounds of actual copper. What is point one pounds? of actual copper cost. Take the 0.1 divided by the uh, 0.252, and what's that give us? Times $2.20 a pound for the yep, product is 87 cents. So right. you're taking 87 cents an acre of copper out of your ground every year. Right, and that's Raising with a really good yield. bushel corn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with a good yield. So our point is, if you were to invest, let's say, $33 in copper, yeah, I get it. That's a lot of money just in copper in a field, $33 an acre. But if from then on all you have to do is spend 80 or 90 cents just to maintain it, well, that's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. and for the next 20 years, your crop's not going to run short. Uh, and, yeah, all you have to spend is 87 cents, and then forever your crop's not going to run short. Okay, and then the manganese. Here's the challenge with the manganese, and here's why we really want you to run a different test, because – 
manganese is really expensive. Really expensive. I just looked at, let's just say your 8.3 parts per million was accurate and you're trying to build to 20 parts per million, it would cost you $79 an acre to do it. Right. So that's a lot. Before you spend $80 an acre on manganese that you may or may not need, uh, we would suggest running a Malik 3 analysis that only costs 15 or 20 bucks uh, just to see what you even need out there. So anyway, if you run that test, Murray, and you want to send it back in and have us look at it, we'd love to see your complete analysis because we'd like to see how everything else is in that field as well. All right, get this one from Caleb down in Texas, first-generation farmer. And being a first-generation farmer, lots of questions come up. Uh, my question is this. I typically would like to plant corn in early March, but I'm curious, how do you guys judge if the ground is ready? Nobody has drain tile here. The ground is mostly heavy clay, so sometimes it can get wet. Uh, First-generation farmer, I'm planting with small equipment, just have a four-row planter, nothing big, but I want to do it right. We base it on, is it dry? Are we past the crop insurance date, and is the soil dry? That's all we care about. Couldn't care less about the soil temp. I only care about this. Now, as I say that, when I don't care about the soil temp, we do a number of things to overcome cold soil temps. However, in Texas, I'm not super worried you're going to have a real cold soil temp. But anyway, the concern I would have is what I have is if you say, hey, this is heavy clay and I might get 10 inches of rain this month and I could flood my ground out or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know your farm or anything else. And we have pretty much everything tiled, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. But yeah, I, I just look at are we if we hit the crop insurance date and is the soil dry? If so, then typically we roll. Stay tuned. We'll get back to more of your questions next. What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One Herbicide, an Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next-Gen and used True Choice? Only about $5,000 extra in Tom's pocket. Choose True Choice and get up to 10% back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com slash save more. Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot 
For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712-520-6051. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions at 844 844- 44 ag phd let's get right back to those phone lines got aaron out in maryland wants to talk about his chemical plan for corn and soybeans this year how you doing aaron good how are you well good so i'm guessing your chemical plan is not so easy as hey i've got roundup ready corn roundup ready beans i'm just going to spray roundup no it's a little bit more complicated than that okay uh why don't you hit us with your plan well i've had the co-op spraying for me and i bought my own sprayer so i'm just trying to make sure I've kind of got the right plan outlined here. <laughs> okay. It's uh, so for I plant green for uh, soybeans, and I've got enlist soybeans. And for my uh, spray right after plant for that is Authority Supreme at six and a half ounces, enlist one at two pints an acre, NV uh, six max glyphosate at two pints an acre, and Vixen ACL adjuvant at two quarts a hundred gallons. So all in one shot, you're throwing. Oh, okay. So this must be no-till then. Yep. Plant, plant yep. green, cover crops out there. Need a burn down for the cover crop. You got Roundup in there and enlist one. Uh, what what what's your what are your top? Let's say two or three weeds you're after here. Uh, Palmer and mare's tail is usually what we fight. Yep. Yep. Okay. So. Let, let's let's start it this way because this is usually where we we typically begin with most people. What did you do last year? Did you do this program last year? No, this is a new program. What did you do last year? We had Invive uh, and glyphosate within List, and that's all we used. Okay, and so what's making you want to make the switch, taking out the Invive, putting in the Authority Supreme? price <laughs> <laughs> okay uh well I'll, I'll put it this way when we talk about authority supreme uh that's going to be a real good one for a lot of weeds especially on your palmer because you got a couple effective modes of action in there so what authority supreme is is it's spartan or authority along with zidua the group 15 the only thing is uh, the the Spartan will give you some burn down on that that mare's tail. We're certainly hoping that the enlist is enough because chances are the mare's tail is glyphosate resistant. But if it's me, yeah, I I really have no problem with that. I like Authority Supreme, so I I don't know. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, 
And then post-emerge, what? The only thing will be just getting those three things to mix. So you want to be careful with the Roundup and the Enlist one. There there can be some mixing issues there. Make sure you're doing that in the right order. You got plenty of water, all those things. We also like having a compatibility agent around, and I'd recommend if this is your first year spraying for sure, but I recommend it for everybody, have a compatibility agent. We like the product called Convert. Uh, It's made by Precision Labs. It's been great. It also helps with tank clean-out. And this is one of the things that you're going to find being your least favorite job when you're spraying is cleaning out the sprayer in between products uh, and having a compatibility agent in there keeps more of your active ingredients in solution and less of them sticking on the sides of your tank. Um, How heavy or light is your soil? It's light. It runs from a 2 CEC to a 7 CEC. Okay, so Metribuzin is out then. So that was really my only question, and what else could we possibly consider there? Okay, so let's move on. Uh, Did you want to talk about anything post, or do you want to move over to corn or whatever other crop? Uh, Yeah, I could hit you with my post plan too, if that's okay. Okay, go ahead. I've got Anthem Max at 3.5 ounces. Yep. Uh, Glyphosate again at 1 quart an acre. Yep. Uh, Havoc LV6. I, I, that's a 2,4-D at one pint an acre. Glufosinate at 32 ounces an acre, and then another adjuvant. Okay. Well, as far as LV6, you can't do that. Um, yeah, it has to be in list one. That's the only thing that's going to be labeled in Plus, list crops. you're going to have more drift if you use something outside of a... Uh, Enlist or free. I'm sorry. That was 2,4-D. my pre-emergent for corn. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. That was... Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, so post-emerge for so- soybeans, what were you thinking there? Or or don't you know yet? Uh, yeah, that that was Avatar at 8 fluid ounces an acre. Okay. Uh, Envy Max at 1 quart an acre. Fever at 32 fluid ounces an acre. And List 1 at 2 pints an acre. I don't know what those other two are, the middle two. So you said Avatar, and what was the next one? Avatar and uh, Fever. Fever. Okay, and what was the next one? Uh, Envy, which is just the glyphosate. Oh, glyphosate, okay. All right, so Avatar, Fever, glyphosate, and was there something else? Just in list one. Yeah, a list one. Yeah, okay. Okay, gotcha. Uh, All right, Darren's looking up what Fever and Avatar are. Let's go on to that. We'll come back to that. Fever is a generic Liberty. Oh, okay. Liberty, got it. Um. Is there a reason why you're putting Liberty together with the Roundup or with the glyphosate? Uh, no real reason uh, other just to suppress late or, you know, the weeds that are coming on. We've had good luck with it, so I think it's worth the extra money. Okay. So, I, I mean, I always ask guys because on our farm, I just run straight Liberty and forget about the Roundup. Avatar is clethodim. Oh, okay. So a grass and volunteer corn killer. All right, got it. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean, what you're what you're running there, I don't really have any big issue with. I would just question if you actually need the glyphosate because you've already got clethodim in there to kill grasses, uh, and Liberty was going to be good on the grasses anyway. And Enlist One is going to burn down pretty much all annual weeds along with the Liberty. So I, I mean, if it's me, I'll, I, I'd at least take a tank full. And leave out the glyphosate, and I bet your weed control is going to be just as good. So that'd be the one area I would consider cutting, but otherwise, I got no problem with what you're running there. Okay, so uh, okay. let's go on to the corn program. You were talking about Anthem Max, and this is pre-emerge. How? Yep. This how, is also planting green 
right behind the planter. Okay. I have massive reservations about, about putting LV6 on at that point. If There's no possible chance I'm doing that on my farm, nor would I ever recommend that to a farmer. Uh, that will most likely ding up your corn. So instead, do dicamba. That's what I would do. Okay. Yep. So LV6, 2,4-D, it's just too hard on corn at that stage. If you're doing it a week or two in advance of planting, fine. But when you're doing it after planting, there's no way. Um, I've seen too many guys get hurt by that. So if it was me... I asked the co-op that, and they said, oh, no, you're you're fine. But I've heard other things like that. Yep. Like what you said. Yep. No, it's it's too hard on it. And what I always tell guys is, look, we got enough risk already in farming. We don't need to add more risk to the whole equation. (laughs) So I just assume we eliminate as much risk as possible. All right. So when we're doing this, here again, you're throwing both Liberty and glyphosate in there. Um, We're trying to kill Palmer and mare's tail. Well, the mare's tail is going to be up. The glyphosate isn't going to give us any help on mare's tail. It's not going to give us any help on Palmer. I'm just wondering, what's the glyphosate doing for us? I guess it's just a burn down agent for because uh, I have I'm still planning into uh, cover crop for my true. Corn. Yeah. Okay. All right. I could see that. I guess maybe it will help us a little bit there if the Liberty isn't enough to do it and the 2,4-D and and the Anthem Max. So all right. So we've done all that. Um, uh, is this Roundup corn? Yep. All right. So what's your plan post-emerge then in corn? Keeping it basic with just atrazine and glyphosate. The atrazine at 3.2 plates an acre. Okay. Our only concern there is going to be you don't have anything really that's going to help you much on Palmer. I mean, the mare's tail, you should be done with, but the Palmer, not. So if you need to... And this is what I always tell people on post-emerge applications. And this is why I, I, I'm glad you called, Aaron, and we went through all this because we we ask these same questions of about everybody. All right, post-emerge, I don't know what you're going to have for weeds. So what we're always going to tell you is scout the field, then let's address it at that point. It's great to have a plan, but you may need to adjust that plan. I'm guessing there's going to be some Palmer there. I'm guessing you're going to want to throw an HPPD out there. Uh, maybe even status or something like that. Just depends on how bad your weed pressure is at that point and how many Roundup-resistant weeds you have. So I'm great with starting with, hey, let's just say Roundup and Atrazine. I'm guessing you're going to have to add something else. Okay. The other thing that well, I... certainly appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yep. The other thing I'll tell you just real quick, like with that Anthem Max that you got there uh, and the rate that you're running, it's a pretty low rate of Zidua. So it's not like it's going to hold grass forever. So a lot of times for us, we spike in a little bit more Group 15, whether that's Zidua or Harness or Pass, anything like that. So anyway, thanks for the call, Aaron. Really appreciate it. And uh, hope you have a great year. Well, thanks to everybody who called in or sent in questions today. It's always fun digging through uh, uh, all the questions that there are going into the season. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.